So who's ready to serve for VBS? Huh? Those kids in that video, we took it last year, man, they're, they're precious to me. Those are a lot of kids that we, uh, we, we see um, in the BLAST program, and, and a lot of those kids don't. Uh, it's an outreach. We're doing VBS not to have another program. We're doing VBS to reach our community. And a lot of those kids, they don't have, um, uh, they don't have anybody in their life really just showing them Jesus, showing them that we love them, showing them that we care about them. So it's an outreach to our community and, uh, and a service to our church. So I encourage you guys to be, to be a part of that and, and uh, to support it and we can come and love on uh, our community and, uh, and everybody know that, hey, we love them. One thing God's been really telling me here lately is, uh, you know, we, we want to invite people to church. It's like, and, and when we invite them to church, that's cool. That's good. I'm glad. If somebody invites you, I'm glad you came. But a lot of times it says, won't you come and let me preach to you? Instead of saying, hey, let me love on you and show you Jesus. And then I'll open your heart so that when the word's preached, you will receive it. Our community needs us to love. Amen? Amen? And when we love, it shows that we are his disciples. And then when they do that, it opens their heart and they receive Jesus. So we got to be that people. I'm going to stop preaching on that. I'm going to get on what God's told me to preach today. But um, I'm excited to be here at Mother's Day. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you, you, you here that are mothers. I don't believe you can appreciate uh, your mother until you have a child of your own. Amen? Uh, I look at what Sabrina does, and I'm like, whew, I thank God for you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, and thank you, mothers, for, uh, for keeping us alive, for praying for us, for uh, chastising us when we need to. Some of us have been chastised more than others, and some of us sure needed it more than others. Amen? amen. Somebody looked at their neighbor and was like, amen. <laughs> but, you know, thank you for what you do, and, and, and thank you for being... Uh, the loving um, examples that we have to see what true love looks like. Um, as we're going, uh, we're starting out this series called Faith and Fear. It's, uh, it's kind of what I, my, my buddy Russ over here, it's, it's parallels in a way. How can we live a life of faith and a life of fear? Because we're going to be fearful. Those are things that we're always going to be, there's things we're always going to be fearful of. There's things that we're going to be scared of. It's not like because you become a follower of Jesus that all of a sudden you're not afraid of anything. If anybody's ever told you that, they have just lied to you. Because a lot of times when I started following Jesus, when I first started, I was afraid of everything. Everybody that I once knew hated me. Everybody, everything that I once thought was real uh, was fake. Everything that, that I uh, held at a certain standard was wrong. And I'm like, I'm scared to death. God, what am I supposed to do? Because everything I once was, like, I don't, I don't know how to do life right now. So I was walking in faith, but also fearful of what the next step should be. And this whole series is designed to help you take your next step of faith. Because if we're not taking those next steps, we're standing still, right? And God didn't call you to sit still. He didn't call us to sit on the pew. He didn't call us to, to remain the same. He called us to be different, amen? amen. To be growing closer, closer into the likeness of Christ. So, so as we're going through this series, we're going to be tonight, today we're going to be in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, that's where we're going to be. I love, this is the story of David. I love the story of David. And, and, and as I began to think about this, um, when you get to it, shout amen. amen. All right, we've got two people that found it. The rest of y'all found it yet?
All right, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokoth in Judah. They pitched their camp at, you know those towns, chapter 2. Verse 2, Saul and his Israelites assembled at the camp and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, and a valley was in between them. A champion named Goliath was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet and on his head and wore a coat of scaled armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear, his, his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. And Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come, why do you come out? And line up for battle. Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to meet me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will be your servants. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our servants and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let him fight. Let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and his Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You know, when we live this life, a lot of times we get a lot of scary situations. There's a lot of fearful things that happen. I know it has in my life. There's a lot of uncertainty that goes on in life. And you can sit there on that pew and act like you got it all together, but there's things in your life that you're scared to death of. You don't know how you're going to overcome it. You don't know what the next move's going to be. And so a lot of times we're crippled by fear and we're not making those next steps because we're scared to death. Our hope is gone. We're a lot like we have a Goliath in our life. Something that's been shouting at us for a long time. Something that has quenched every bit of certainty we have. Something that is making us doubt ourselves and something that we have, we've seen everybody else run from. You know, we see something that seems to tackle and take, and take everybody out. A lot of times we duck and run too, don't we? And life is full of fear. And I'm going to tell you, life is a battle. One thing God's been laying on my heart about, about battling, about life being a battlefield, a battleground. It doesn't just happen. We don't just all of a sudden say the sinner's prayer and, and, and say we're going to follow Jesus and, and wind up in glory, do we? We have to walk it out on this earth. And every day from the moment you say, I want to follow Jesus, it's walking away from a lifestyle that don't please him. And it's a battle because everything in you wants to go back that direction. Oh, it'd be easier just to go back to drinking. Oh, it'd be easier just to, just to leave my spouse. Oh, it'd be easier just to do this or to do that. It'd be easier to, to quit my job. It'd be easier to do these things. And instead, God's calling you to walk it out and pursue him. And it's hard. I'm not going to say it's not. But the thing is, the way we win the battle and how we respond to fear how we respond to fear shows how we're going to end. See, we can live this life with fear. We're going to have fear. We're going to be scared to make certain steps, to take certain steps, but how we navigate in that. See, when, we, when we're in this life battling out, 
We can respond with fear that will paralyze us, or we can respond with faith that advances us. Amen? And, and every time that we, we subdue to that fear and we don't take those steps, we're stuck right where we are. And I see a lot of people in every church that are just downtrodden, that are sad, that are miserable because they're stuck in the same place. They've been stuck in the same bitterness for 15 years. They've been stuck in the same unforgiveness in fi- in for 15 years. They've been stuck in the same place of denial for 15 years. They've been stuck in this place where they don't know what to do, how to do it. They just know they've been operating like this forever, and they don't know how to step out of that. And they're a miserable person. They're joyless. They don't know anything else but, mi- but to be miserable. So guess what? They make everybody else miserable around them. Y'all know anybody like that? We're supposed to be walking and taking steps. And if I'm a child of God, then I'm not living. I shouldn't be living that way, should I? I should realize that I serve a king that frees people. Amen? And that he can free me. See, fear can be defined as the belief that something is out there that's going to get me. That's why I don't watch scary movies right there. (laughs) And, And that you can't see it, that you can't do anything about it, that you can't do anything to stop it. It's, and it can always show itself up in different ways. I mean, I hate watching scary movies. You know why? Because I'm on the edge of my seat the whole time, like, all right, they finna come out. They finna get me. They finna get me. I'm in a nervous wreck. And then about the time I let go, it jumps out and scares me to death. And I'm like, I knew it was coming, but I let my guard down. So many of us live life like that. We're on the edge of our seat every single day. Our life is full of anxiety, full of fear, full of worry, full of doubt. We're just just consumed. We're stressed out. We're worried about things. We're just, we're hopeless. A lot of us just panic when, when life hits us. What do I do next? What goes on next? You know, and, and I'm not here to make light of it in any way. But a lot of us struggle with it because we have a lack of faith. Not all of us, but a lot of us. And see, a giant, the giant of fear can often take a foothold in our life and can, it can dominate us. It can control us. It begins to make us less than what we are called to be. It can chew away our life. It can take away our confidence. It can steal our joy. It can blind us to advancement. Next thing, if you're afraid of something, you're not moving, you're not advancing, you're not being what God's called you to be. There's a lot of Christians that are sitting there, people that call themselves followers of God, They've, they've made, they raised their hand and made the commitment, but they've been scared to death to take that first step of walking away from sin. They're scared to walk away from friends that are holding them back. They're scared from walking away from family that's holding them back. They're scared from, from walking away from relationships that are toxic. They're scared from, be, from standing up at work because they're scared that at work they're going to be persecuted. They're not taking those next steps. We're, a lot of our people that are in the church we're not, we're not being the powerhouses that God's called us to be because we're powerless, because we're driven by fear instead of by faith in God. Knowing that, hey, if he brought me to it, he's going to bring me through it. Amen? And instead of walking in a state of faith, knowing, you know, God's got me, we're in fear because we're trying to control our own situation. I know me. I struggle with anxiety. And, you know, when, I, when, when, I have, when I'm anxious, when I'm fearful, it's when I'm trying to control everything. And my wife, with all her great wisdom, is like, Jeremy, you can't control this. I'm like, watch me. I'm hard-headed. Amen, I am. But God's always got to hold me down and make me realize that I can't control my own situations. 
you know, when, when we all got things we fear, but how do we operate with that fear in our life? And the solution to that, to fear, is not, is not making up your mind and dealing with it. We think that we can, we can, we can sheer determination can bring us through our problem. And you can. You can come through that problem, but it's going to wound you in some way because you're trying to do it yourself. You know, the thing is, we can't deal with it on our own. The only way we can deal with it is through Jesus. That's the only way. If you're a born-again believer, then you, the only way you can deal with fear and failure and, and trying to overcome things and addiction is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. You know, and as I read on in, in verse 12, it talks about David, how he was the son of Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judea. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three older sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was, uh, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but Elib. The second one and the third one, and verse 14, said David was the youngest. We're talking about David, not his brother today. <laughs> so the third oldest followed Saul. The three oldest followed Saul. But David went back to the fourth from Saul, back and forth from Saul, to tend his father's sheep. I love this right here. It says, on the 40th day, the Philistines came forward every morning and every evening to stand. And now Jesse, the son of David, took the grain, and I'm just going to stop reading, but he took the grain, he went there. On the 40th day, David shows up. So this giant, for the whole time, has been sitting there defying the armies of God. He's been shouting, defying God, saying, what are you doing? Pretty much calling them a bunch of idiots because they're there to fight him. Look at me. You can't defeat me. What are you thinking? I've been calling you out for weeks, and you're not doing anything. You're just running in fear. And on the 40th day, David shows up. And I love that. He didn't come on day 39 or day 41. He came on day 40. You know what I love about that? Because in the Bible, 40, 40 days or 40 years is a significant time frame. See, the, the 40 in the Bible represents a time of testing or a time of preparation or, or the end of a time in its deliverance. David showed up right in the nick of time. It wasn't by happenstance. It wasn't by coincidence that he showed up. See, only until we get, we get tired of dealing with what we're dealing with is when deliverance is going to come. We can keep tolerating the stuff that we're dealing with. We can keep tolerating the sin in our life. We can keep tolerating relationships. But when we get tired of it, that's the only when God is going to deliver it. I don't know how many times I prayed for God to deliver me from alcohol. But you know what? I was praying on Sunday and drinking on Monday. I wasn't really desiring a change. I was trying to appease my conscience at the time. But when I got to the end of me and decided, Jeremy, there's no way for you to get out of this but through Jesus, that's when he came in and took away the change. He took away the situation. He changed me. Amen? Bear with me today. My mind's thinking a lot faster. My mouth is bringing it out. So y'all got to hold on. But the thing is, we have to realize that some of us are walking through a testing time right now. Everything going on in our community, everything going on around us, there's a lot of people that are fearful. And I don't know what it is. I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what your situation is this morning. But God's been laying this heavy on my heart. It is for some of you in this room, it's a time of testing. 
It's a time of testing. You're going through a time of testing this morning. You're going through, maybe going through a time you've been going, struggling through this situation, and you don't know what in the world. You've been crying out, God, what is this for? He's preparing you for something. There's never been a pain in my life and a thorn in my side that God hadn't used to prepare me for something else he wanted to use me for. And maybe we need to stop grumbling and and grappling about where we are and start looking for where God's going to send me. Amen? Amen. And as we look at that, and also, there's some of you in here that you've been struggling for so long, God's ready to deliver you from something, but he's just waiting for you to want it bad enough. Because we can keep tolerating and tolerating, and what happens is we're, we're tolerating sin, we're tolerating situations, and we're a nervous wreck about it because we're trying to fix it ourselves, we're trying to do it ourselves, and God's like, all right, old boy, do it. And when you get tired and you're exhausted, you're trying to figure it all out on your own, and you get on your hands and knees and you call out to me, I'll be right there. I don't know who he's speaking to this morning, but God laid it on my heart strong when I got up this morning. And often the harshness of our situation, God is molding us and preparing us for something. But we have to seek him and seek things from his perspective. See, the whole thing is the majority of us are struggling through life because we're looking at things through our own eyes and not from the perspective that God gives us. And you can't have that perspective unless you're a child of God. Often what we do, oh, God, this is bothering me. This is hurting me. This is stressing me out. Come on, be honest with me. How many of your prayer life are you talking more about I and me more than about him? And we want to sit there and, and complain and, oh, because of all the things that I'm going through. And it's like, you know what? We need to stop talking about me as much and say, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? God, what's going to give you the most glory in this? God, show me which direction to take so that I honor you more than my own feelings. God, what's going to give you the most praise? That's what it's supposed to look like, church. That's what our life is supposed to be about, giving God praise, honor, and glory. But when we make our life about ourselves, we're just marred down in pity, and we're afraid, we're scared, we don't know what to do next because we're thinking about our next move instead of his next move. And how we struggle through this whole being fearful in faith it's okay to be scared, but you got to be taking those steps of faith. Let me tell you something. Everything God's ever called me to do, I have been scared to death to do it. But I had to know that God's called me to it, and God's saying, son, you take that step, I'm right there with you. And when I take that step, man, let me tell you, from, from the floor to right here, I'm scared to death. I don't know if it's going to land on solid ground or what it's going to do, and I'm mighty wobbly. But when I take that step and I finally reach out and I feel solid ground, I'm shouting the other end because I know he was there. I know he was there. I look back to when the Old Testament, when, when God was telling the, the Israelites to go across the river. And I can think about the priest. Joshua said, all right, go across the river. And they was like, look here, boss. I got all this weight on me. I'm not walking across that. I can't swim with this. If I go in that water with this ark, I'm going to drown. I'm going to die. So a lot of us look at situations. God, I can't go through that. If I go through that, it's going to kill me. I'm not going to make it through that. And we're looking at it through our own perspective. And what God's wanting, what God was wanting the Israelites to do, he says, the moment you put your feet in the water, that's when I'm going to work. And the moment that the Israelites touched the water, when, they got, when the priest got ankle deep, guess what happened? The water's parted. The water's parted. God's going to do his part. He's just waiting on you to do yours. 
And God wants to deliver you from problems. He wants to take you out of this situation. But you got to take that first step of obedience and saying, God, I trust you. God, I want to honor you. I know that you have control. And as you take that step, the waters are going to part. And you're going to be standing on dry land. But you won't never get that redemption. You don't ever feel that, that, that excitement until you take that step. And all of us are standing there on the stuff. We're standing there on the bank saying, why isn't God blessing me? Why haven't I felt God? Why haven't things changed in my life? You know why? Because you've never taken a step toward God. You're still standing on the bank, waiting on God to do something to you. And God's saying, look here, son. Look here, my child. Look here, my daughter. I want you to show me that you love me and trust me by you taking that first step. Taking our next step is so important because it shows obedience to God and that we trust him. You know, verse 22, I love this. because When David, he goes up in there. David's just a little, he, he's a teenager. And when he goes up in there, his brothers know that he's been anointed king. And they're mad because they thought they should have the position. They thought they were good enough. And he goes and he's obedient to his daddy. His daddy sends David to the battlefield to come and talk to his brothers and, make, and check on his brothers. So he goes and he does that. And while he's there, he hears Goliath talking trash. That's the southern Georgia dialect version right here. But he heard, he heard him talking trash. He heard him denying, you know, talking all this junk about God. And, and when he did that, David was such a follower of Jesus, or such a follower of God, he was, he, was just, he was just crushed. He was mad. How dare you say this about my God? I love what he said in verse 22. He says, David left all the things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. And he was talking with as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine, the champion of Gath, stepped out his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard him. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out and defying Israel. The king will give great wealth to a man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage, and he will exempt his family from taxes. I love David's response. He asked the men standing near him, what will be done for this man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, here you got this little old teenager boy that's probably about five foot tall, bowed up, like, what's he doing? Y'all ever seen, seen that happen? Y'all ever been somewhere where there's a little scrawny kid or, or man and, and he's fixing to go fight this big boy? You ever seen that happen? I was at a place one time and, and this guy that I was with bumped into this big old dude. He was like twice the size of Johnson. He was huge, tall, what big guy. And, and he was standing up there and when he bumped into him, my friend began to say some very discouraging words to him. And when he said these things, the guy said, look here, little fella. When a man said calls you a little fella, you need to watch out, all right? <laughs> and my buddy wasn't thinking in his right mind at the time, and I'm glad I was there, but he said, he looked at him, he said, man, you don't know what you're doing. I'll eat you for breakfast. That man looked at him, he said, I hope you got a big appetite, boy. And I had to break him up. Thank God I was there. Everybody else seen Goliath, and they were petrified of him. They ran away from him. They knew 
that he meant business and he would kill them if they got in. And here's David saying, who is he? Because why, why do we do that? Why do we get so fearful of things and then we run away from God a lot of times? We commit to, we're, we're, there's, I, know, I know a pile of people that were, they were so excited. They're, oh, Jesus is good. They're posting all this stuff on Facebook. And then one thing happens bad in their life and it's like, and they put it in reverse and they start backing up. Why? Why'd you back up? Because you reached something that you were too afraid to keep stepping forward and it pushed you backwards. God didn't call us to be defeated by this world. He called us to be victorious, amen? And see, what David did is when he was looking at things from a different perspective than Israelites were. That's, that's a lot of our problem. We're looking at things from our own perspective. What's gonna benefit me? What's gonna hurt me? What's gonna make me feel better? Instead of looking at things of what's gonna give God glory. That's the perspective we should look at it. That's the perspective we should see things. See, we should see things the way God sees things. David, I mean, the only way that David was going to overcome this circumstance, he couldn't look at it the same way that the Israelites were looking at it. The only way you're going to overcome where you are right now is you got to quit listening to everybody else around you and start listening to God. Everybody around you might be hopeless. They might be thinking negative. You got to shut them up and say, all right, God, talk to me. What you want for my life? Where do you want me to be? Where, where, are you, where are you calling me to go? See, David was looking at what could be through this, not what is right now. That's what you got to look at. What could be through this, not, not, not where I am right now. See, David saw that this was a battle between, between the Philistines' false God and by his God. It was a battle between them. And, and, and anything that he did was going to give God glory. Do you realize that? That every battle we face is a battle between the false God of this world and the true God that we, we claim to serve. And if we back up in fear, it's telling the world that we don't believe what we say we believe. But if we stand up and say, I come in the name of the Lord, get away from me, get behind me, Satan. It's saying there's power in the name of Jesus. And we as a church are powerless because we're afraid to be peculiar people. We're afraid to stand out. We don't want to step on nobody's toes. We don't want nobody mad at us. If you're a true follower of Jesus, sometimes people are going to not understand you and why you believe the way you believe, why you live the way you live, why you forgive people when they hate you, why you love people that don't love you back, why you do the things you do. People are not going to understand that. You see, Israel had forgotten the promise of God. They had forgotten that God had promised him that they were going to deliver them from the land. They had forgotten that, that he was going to deliver them. What, he, what, did, what did God tell them when they began to go into Israel? God said, I'm going to deliver all the people in the promised land to you. But he didn't do it all at once because he knew that if they did it, one, if he did it all at once, then they would be ungrateful and they would go back really fast to how they once were. That's why a lot of you are still struggling with sin in your life. He could deliver you right now from everything, but you've got to want God enough to turn from your old ways. And that's the thing. You're like, well, I, I, how come I still have this tendency? How come I still desire these things? Because God's wanting you to be done with it. Say, you know what? I'm tired of this junk. I'm tired of this bad attitude. I'm tired of, of the way that I'm not loving my wife the way I should. I'm tired of this, this, and this. And I want my life to line up to what you want it to be, God. So I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to step out and be obedient to you. 
I know a lot of my friends that won't love their wives the way God's called them to love their wives because they're worried that all their friends are going to say, man, your wife's got you whipped. Come on. I used to pick at people like that. And then I started going home, and all my buddies would be like, whoosh, whoosh. I'd be like, let me tell you something. I'm whipped, but it's by Jesus. I want my wife to know that I love her, that I care for her. And if I don't care what you think anymore, as long as my wife knows I love Jesus and I love her and I'm, living, I'm dying to myself, then I don't care what you think. Some of us got to get a hold of that this morning. How many of us are walking in this, just this, this valley of fear? We don't know what tomorrow may hold. We don't know what our finances are going to look like. We don't know what our job's going to look like. We might not even look like, know what our marriage is going to look like, but we're fearful not knowing what's going to happen. And every morning we wake up and, and we're a little bit deeper. We're a little bit more scared because we hadn't got delivered yet and we're worried. And we're, we're, next thing you know, we're just, we walk around with this defeated look on our face. The life is sucked out of us. And instead of it turning into God, show me your glory, it's turned into poor, poor, pitiful me. I haven't been delivered yet. And I found myself in that same situation, and, and, and Dallas and I were talking, and Dallas was like, Jeremy, we got to be long-suffering with people. And I'm like, you ain't the one suffering, brother. And he was like, I know. So you need to be long-suffering. And I'm like, okay. Well, guess what? I got a chance to do the same thing to him this week. I was so glad. He was struggling. And I was like, brother, we got to be long-suffering. He was like, shut up. But we do. We have to suffer through some things in order to give God glory. See, this was so much more than just two nations fighting against one another. It's, it's so much more than just two people, two, two nations fighting. It was, it was the army of God defeating or being defeated. And a lot of times we look at our life and we look at the situation we live in and the, we, realize, we need to realize the battle is way more than what it seems to be. You know, the marriage is going bad. The marriage is going bad. There's a lot more at stake here than divorce. You hear me? The marriage is going bad. It's terrible. I hate going home. All these things. There's more at stake here than divorce. It's the honor of God at stake here. Because the marriage is supposed to show a picture of Jesus Christ, of how we can love one another that's unlovable. And sometimes, I ain't going to say that. Sometimes we're unlovable. Sometimes we don't want to give the, our spouse the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes we don't want to, to, to give. We want to just take because that's in our nature. But instead of that, God's saying there's more at stake here. And I tell you the truth, if I hadn't been a child of God, I would have walked out. But when I realized that I don't want to give God a bad name, I want to glorify God with my marriage, with my life. You know, if it means me being miserable and me praising and me giving God glory, guess what? I'm going to be miserable. I thank God that I don't have to be. But we've got to get to the point where we want to honor God more than we want to honor ourselves. And when you want to honor God more than you honor ourselves, he can give you joy right in the middle of hell. But the problem is we want everything to accommodate us instead of us accommodating God. And there's more at stake in all these things instead of face value. There's more at stake. You know, we realize that we are limited, though. 
There's no way that we can love our spouse the way we should love them. There's no way that we can forgive people that, 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 that we need to forgive. There's, no, there's, some, there's some things that, you know what? I got to have $1,000 to pay the house payment, and you know what? There's, there's, negative, there's negative 500 in the bank. How that going to happen? I can't make that happen. If the bill's due tomorrow, the, the mortgage is due tomorrow, the, the, the baby need new shoes today, amen? I mean, you know, things need happening right now. I don't have any funds. How's that going to happen? We have to realize sometimes we're limited by our own work. And we have to cry out to God in faith, saying, God, I don't know how you're going to provide, but I know you said that you will provide. Amen? I know that you are the God that provides. I know you're the God that you know my hurt, you know my pain, you know my suffering, you know where I am right now, you know the pain in my heart. So, God, deliver me from this. When we come to him in a true and sincere heart, he will do that. But when we're limited and we're, we're struck down by fear, what we're doing is we're looking at the situation as it is and we're thinking there's no way out. We begin to go, throw up. We throw up. We can throw our hands up and give up and saying, you know what? I'm done. I'm done because we're looking at it in our own perspective instead of saying, God, give me your eyes in this and help me be what you want me to be. Because the only way David knew that he was going to defeat the Goliath because he knew what, what God had delivered him from in his past. Amen. I love what he says in verse, in, in verse 34. You ain't got to... Uh, go to it. But anyway, he goes through and he talks about how he was tending his father's sheep. And he goes through the whole thing. And in verse 37, he says, he tells Saul, he said, look, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of this Philistine. He's like, you know what? I've been through some bad stuff before. I, when, when, when the lion was coming to get the sheep, I had to stand in there and I beat that lion down. When that bear come up and he began to try to take my sheep, you know what I did? When that bear come against me, I beat him up. I tore him up from the floor up. You know what I'm saying? He was beat down. There was no way. And there's, I know, but there's no way I could do that in my own strength because I'm just a little kid. But I know that God was with me and he gave me the power to overcome these things. And because of that, this giant ain't nothing. And God, and today, God's bringing some of us through some bad places, through some dry places, because he wants you to get to the place where you realize, you know what? Ain't nothing going to hold me down because my God's with me. Look what he did last week. Look what he delivered me from last week. Look what he did this week. And not only does he want to give you the confidence, but he wants your confidence to overflow into other people's lives so that they can see what God's done in you and they can say, you know what? I can have hope because of the hope that brother's got. But we're marred down by fear, looking at things in our own perspective, we're powerless, and we're useless to God. You know, I, I just, I love this story. But in the story of David and Goliath, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are in this story? And I know most of you are like, I'm David. Yes, sir, I was strolling into town, and I whooped up on that giant. I beat it out of my life. But you ain't David. Jesus is David. And all of us are Israel. All of us are Israel. There was a giant in all of our lives that none of us could ever defeat. And that's the giant of death and hell. Because we were all separated from God because of sin. And because of Jesus. Because Jesus came. And he defeated death and he defeated hell. The greatest giant of all of our lives. He defeated that for us. Amen? We can have communion with God because of the battle that Jesus won on our behalf. 
He was David. David was fighting on behalf of the Israelites. Jesus went to war for me and you so that we could have eternal life if we trust and follow him. And if he went and he won that battle, Jesus won the battle of battles, he beat down everything, then nothing we face is too big for Jesus. Amen? Nothing. So a lot of times, instead of us saying that Jesus is the Lord of our life, we put ourselves as the Lord of our life because we try to be, go to battle on our own instead of going to battle with Jesus. I know everything that I've tried to deliver myself from, I failed miserably. The things that I, the sin that I had, I knew that I was struggling with, I kept trying to modify my behavior. I kept trying to change the way I was acting. I tried to change those things, and you can only do that for so long because if your heart's not changed, your attitude and your actions won't be changed. Amen? You try to be your own God, you're going to fall short because there ain't but one God. And Jesus is the only, only person, only, only thing that can help you get through your trials. God helped me. He delivered me from addiction. He delivered me from, from, from my mouth being just a nasty fountain. I mean, I've told you guys this thousands of times. But I know that my Redeemer lives because I know what he's delivered me from. And the reason a lot of you in this room are still struggling with the same old junk is because you're not bold enough to take that step and say, Jesus changed me. I give this to you today. I want you to take this away from me. You're worried what the world's going to think of you. You're worried about what your people at the workplace is going to think of you. Let me tell you something. In 10,000 years from now, who is going to care? We got our eyes set on where we are right now. What if I lose my job and I lose everything? If you still got Jesus, it don't matter. And I know some of you are saying, it's easy to shout that when you're not at the brink of that. Let me tell you, when I was at the end of my end, thinking that everything was going, to, everything was going I, felt, I thought my life was going apart. My, my, I thought my wife was leaving me. I remember walking by. I remember walking by my gun cabinet one day, and the gun's in there, and I'm thinking, it'd be so much easier just to get rid of this right now, and I wouldn't have to deal with it. Satan just whispering in your ear, it'd be a lot easier. You're just out of here. Hopeless. Hopeless. Because I had tried and tried and tried to fix myself. I had tried and tried and tried to fix my situation. And nothing was fixed. Nothing, it kept getting worse. And only church, listen to me, only until I was broken enough to get on my knees before God and cry out to him, Abba Father, is when I felt relief. And when I started feeling relief, I started feeling some power. I started feeling some confidence. I started feeling some assurance that I never had before. Oh, yes, I was going to church. Oh, yes, I was claiming to know Jesus, but I never felt the power of Jesus because I never took that step in saying, I want you more, Jesus, than all this other junk. And it's time for some of you in this room to, I ain't going to say some, I'm going to say most. To say, God, I want you more than this junk. And I know I may be right here struggling with something that I seem like I will never be delivered from. But God, I know you have the keys to this in your hand. And Lord, I'm going to bring it to you right now. That's what he's calling us to be. 
a people of faith, a people of obedience, a people that are, that are telling the world that there's nothing too big for my God. Because let me tell you, when, when, when God started delivering me from stuff, I was the weirdest person at work. I still am sometimes. Thank you. But I, I, was, I, I, was, I was out there and, and I was like, man, let me tell you what God did. And everyone was like, I didn't think Lindsey drank no more. He started smoking something. What's, what's he doing? And I started getting shown from my friends because I was different. I remember one night, me and Sabrina were talking. It was like, we were at home. It was a Friday night. It was like 8 o'clock. We were supposed to go to bed. And I was like, this is weird. She said, why? I said, cause two months ago, we had three sets of friends that were mad at us because we wasn't drinking with them, but we were over here partying with this crowd. We had people that were mad at us because we wasn't partying with them, and now won't nobody talk to us. And we ain't done nothing but started following Jesus. And that upset me for a while. I was like, God, what in the world's going on? I didn't know that when I started following you, that all this stuff, all my friends, all, and, it, and it hit me. Jeremy, they don't care about you. They just care about what you can do for them. Why don't you serve the one that cares about you? Why don't you serve the one that, that did stuff for you that no one could do for you? Why don't you serve the one that can deliver you from what nobody else can deliver you from? Church, I want to tell you, there's a lot of you in this room that has been walking through a dry, dead faith because you've never taken that step. There's a lot of your marriages in here that are struggling because you're holding on to what you think's right instead of saying, God, I want what you want, not what I want. There's a lot of people that's got messed up relationships because you're looking at things from your perspective instead of God's. You're scared to take that step of faith to reconcile something because you're worried what people are going to think about you. Oh, they're weak because they ask for forgiveness. No, you love Jesus. Some of you have been dealing with something and Satan's been putting in your head that you will never be delivered from it. You will always struggle with it. You will die with it. He's been constantly being like Goliath, shouting it in your head every single day. You're a fool for thinking you can come against me. That's what Satan keeps putting in your ear. And today God's calling you to be obedient, saying, you know what? I don't have to live in this fear. And maybe today might not be the day he's going to deliver you, but it's like, God, I need the faith knowing that you can deliver me. And Lord, I want to walk in this. God, make me, show me what I'm walking in right now that isn't in vain. God, show me that, that whatever I'm struggling with right now is for your glory. God, help me give you glory in my depression. God, help me give you glory in my anxiety. God, show me how to serve you in this low place that I'm in. God wants you to give him glory. That's what he's called you to do. And I'm not making light of life struggles because life is hard. When you wake up one morning and you got a job and the bills are paid and you go home and you ain't got a job and you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, yes, that's stressful. But let me tell you, the same God that said, didn't I, don't want to take care of the flowers in the field. The lowliest of birds, the sparrow, I care for him. Don't you think I care for you? Yeah, you might not be able to drive a $70,000 vehicle, but you can still love Jesus and drive a $20,000 one. 
See, a lot of us, God brought us through things. We don't want to go back to where we once were. I remember one of the biggest struggles we had is when Sabrina were talking about her coming home and, 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 and staying with Payson. And she was like, I know, but I, I don't want to go back to where we used to be. I was like, baby, I promise we're not going to have to eat Vaina sausages two days a week. I promise. It's going to work out. It might be turkey and ham, but it'd be good. See, a lot of us think we're too good to go back to where we come from. And I just finally got to the place, church. I'll be honest with you. I'd rather serve God and walk to church than ride to church in a $70 vehicle and go to hell. I don't want my possessions to hold me down. I don't want my job to hold me back. I don't want the things of this world to tie me down because I'm worried that people are going to think of me differently. I'm worried that people are not going to understand me. I don't want to wake up every morning lonely because I was too stubborn to reconcile the difference I had in my marriage. And I could keep listing things. And I know some of you are like, well, you ain't named mine, so I'm good. God knows your heart. God knows the junk you're struggling with. God knows the stuff you're trying to play games off like you ain't got no problems. God knows how much of a liar you are and how you've been lying to him. And today's the day that you quit lying to God, quit lying to yourself, and you get real with God and saying, Lord, I want you, Lord of my life. I'm tired of being afraid of failure. I'm tired of being afraid of not being good enough. God, I want you to use me. God, show me. God, change me. God, deliver me today. We got to be tired of where we are. And until you are tired of where you are, you will always be where you are. And until David showed up, the Israelites didn't know what deliverance looked like. And when David showed up and he went in there as a little kid with a, with a slingshot and a rock, walked up there and this big old giant with all this metal, he hits him square between the eyes and kills him in a crazy way. And in a crazy way, God sent his son Jesus to be born of a virgin in a manger, to live amongst us perfectly, to be rejected by men, to be hated by men, to be spit upon, to be beaten, to be abused. For the, When he would die and be resurrected, pay atonement for our sins so that we would have eternal life so we don't have to be afraid of nothing. As long as we're pursuing him. When we hit situations, we're pleading the blood. Amen. When the doctor's appointment didn't go good. When God says, hey, you might, when, when the doctor says you got cancer, you know what? It ain't a death sentence. It's not a death sentence. When you're a child of the king and you're looking at it from God's perspective, it's an opportunity to give God glory. You know what? You, it's a win-win. You get an opportunity to, tell, to show people the glory of God and, and, and make them and every day be a day that you live all out. And if you die, guess what? You got to go be with Jesus. We look at things from the wrong perspective. We need to pray for God to give me his eyes so that I may see. See, a lot of people look at your past, they look at your drug addiction as something that was tough and hard. I know people looked at me when I used to tell them I struggled with alcohol, they were like, really? Like, yeah, I'm not proud of it, but let me tell you, it made me who I am. 
that temptation got put in my life and I was too weak to walk away from it. So I indulged in it and thank God that he was big enough to deliver me from it. But when he delivered me, he showed me his power. Amen. And there's a lot of people that need to know the power God has been shown in your life. Because I'm up here preaching, they're like, well, he's just a preacher. Let me tell you, he wants to use you to show people how good God is. But you got to be bold enough to take that step and saying, God, use me. I remember when God delivered my marriage, and I'm closing, I promise. But I, God delivered my marriage, and one of the things Sabrina said, my wife don't like to talk in front of the public. If you know my wife, you know that she ain't going to talk much. That's why I talk twice as much for both of us. But she said, Jeremy, God's going to use all this junk we went through to give people hope. Church, I'm going to tell you, God wants to use your pain and the suffering that you've been through to give God glory of what he's delivered you out of. So many of us walking this fear. So many of us walking, worrying about what people are thinking. And we never, ever, ever glorify God with our lives because we're paralyzed by what people think and everybody else's expectations. I want to tell you a story this week that God just crushed me with. I myself fall to that sometimes. And I've allowed people and things people say to hurt me real deep and, 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 and kind of question, God, Jeremy, what are you doing? And, and I'm like, and I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been seeking God. And I was like, Lord, you ain't said anything to me. You know, what was wrong? What have I done? And I'm crying out to God and I'm riding to work Thursday. And uh, I rolled up on the construction site all the way there. I'm singing this song, Set a Fire in My Soul set a fire in my soul and all day I'm singing this song and, 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 and I feel the presence of God in the truck and I'm excited because I hadn't felt God's presence so long and if you know if you've ever felt God's presence you know what I'm talking about and I didn't feel it and I'm worried God have I sinned God what have I done God is there something offense between us God what's going on I want to feel you Lord and nothing and I'm riding to work and for the first time in a couple of months he's touching me and I'm broken by his spirit and I'm like God I'm going to get to this construction site if you want me to preach to every person here then God give me a platform today I was ready and when I get up there this guy comes up and we're talking and I could tell something was different about Heath his name was Heath and he said, uh, Jeremy, what, what brought you here? What's going on? I began to tell him my story. And I told him that I'm now I'm a pastor. And he's got this bracelet on his arm. And uh, he takes the bracelet off. He said, here, let me give you this bracelet, brother. God just laid on my heart to put it on today to give it to somebody. And I was like, great. Thank you. I put it on. And it says, fan the flame. And I've been dry. I've been struggling. And God sends somebody bold enough to say, I'm going to give you a bracelet. And it says, fan the flame. And I began to read Hebrews 1.7 that's on the bracelet. And I just began to cry because it says that God made angels as winds, but he made his made pastors, made his ministers flames of fire. And I'm like, God, I felt like I wasn't a flame of fire. And he's like, son, I done made you a flame of fire. 
You got to walk in that. You got to realize that I have called you to something specifically, and you got to not let nobody back make you back down. You got to keep pushing on. When you want to quit, don't quit because my God is with you. You got to keep going. And that's what I want to tell some of you today. Stop thinking that your life is done. Stop thinking that you can't continue on. Stop thinking that you will never be better than where you are right now because my God wants to do something amazing in you. Stop letting Satan lie to you and this world jade you and thinking that there's nothing better for your life than where you are right now. Because most of you just need to step and walk in that relationship. So many Sundays we try to, people say we try to coerce people to the altar. You know what? You do business with God. I want people that are genuinely following Jesus, not people that feel like they got to be guilt-tripped to the altar. But if you want God to be real in your life, if you're tired of being the same old, same old, if you're tired of walking dead and dry, if you've been scared to death by making a decision, if there's something going on in your life that you need deliverance from, then, Lord, please convict these people to come to this altar. You come. If you got problems in your marriage, won't you and your spouse be bold enough to say, we need prayer today. If you got a relationship that you can't handle no more, it's like, you know what, I need prayer. Come on, let's pray. Because what's holding us back, all of us, what's holding our community back, our brothers and sisters back from seeing a move of God in our county, it's us not wanting to humble ourselves and say, and God use me. And if we can get us out of the way, God can use us in a mighty way to bring redemption to our community. I want to see this church to be mixed, to be black and white and, and, and African, African-American and, and uh, Latino and all different kind of nationalities in here. But it won't happen if we're just sitting there. I wish it happened. We got to take that step and say, you know what, brother? I love you. Come on to church with me. Yeah, I love you. Let me help you out. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down this morning. We can say we want, we want one thing, but our actions show another. And I know I got a big spoon this morning. And some of you feel like I'm trying to shove it down your mouth. And I will if you open it. But some of you have been sitting on this pew every week with your teeth clenched together because you are fine the way you are. And you can be fine the way you are. And you can bust hell wide open. Because this ain't about you. This is about Jesus. Because he came to set his captives free. And you can want to be bound by this word if you want to. But if you want to feel redemption, you want to know Jesus Christ, then today's the day of salvation. I want to give this invitation before we open up the altar. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, like you may have claimed to know him, you may have made a profession one time, but you have, you're not walking in it, you're not following him, there's no fruit in your life that shows true salvation. If you truly need to give your life to Jesus today, we just want to celebrate that and pray with you. I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Are you tired of being where you are? What are you fearful of? What does God need to change? What's going to make the difference between here 
in here with your walk with God. The ball's in your court. And as the music plays softly, the lights are fixing to go down. As I start praying, if you want God to do something, if you've got something strong in your life, if you need prayer, I'll be right here. The prayer team will be over here in this corner with me. If you need prayer, we'll pray. If you want to just come and pray for yourself, you want to pray for your spouse, you want to pray for God to change you, there's stuff in your life you need deliverance from, let's be God's people and be real today, amen? So pray with me. Father God, we come to you right now. And God, we boldly and unashamedly come to you, Lord, knowing that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, you are El Shaddai. God, you are with us right now. Lord, I'm I'm just reminded today that that you are uh, Jehovah Shalom, Lord. You are the, the God of peace. Lord, and you give peace in uncertain times. God, you give peace in uncertain situations. God, you, you, I know, Lord, there's people in here that are struggling. And God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, not be paralyzed by fear. But God, we would and, and allow anxiety to control our lives. But God, we would come to you today and surrender these things to you today, God. I pray, Father, that you would, Lord, so many of us complain and saying, I don't have the fire I once had. Lord, I know that that's only our problem because you hadn't went nowhere. Lord, I pray that you would rekindle that fire inside of us today. That, Lord, I pray that you would just allow us to be so on fire for you today that we would storm hell with water pistols. That's how intense we are with going and being the people you called us to be. God, help us. Be your people, Lord. So, Lord, please, so the people around us will know that you are our God and that you are real, Lord, by the real change you have in our lives help us not be posers or fakers mask wearers God help us be real authentic followers of you Lord Jesus so change us today in Jesus name we pray amen speaking to you I challenge you to come and pray if not you guys are dismissed I love you if you need anything y'all call me but this week when you leave here I want you to be thinking of what in your life is keeping you from fulfilling what God's called you to be what's blocking you from walking in the obedience that God's called you to walk in do people around you know that you are following Jesus by the way you live? And if not, what's got you? Stop them. Be the people God's called you to be, church. Amen? You're dismissed. Thank you. I love you.